Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. So, if you don't know who I am, I, I'm Chris. I get to serve on the team here, and I'm thrilled that you decided to join us today. And I'm going to share a little bit about the series we're in in a second, but I want to start by sharing about an like, experience that I had that was unlike anything I'd experienced before. You see, I went to bed on June 9th, 2018, and everything was normal. Amanda and I prayed together, fell right asleep, which was a really good thing. It was a Saturday night. I was a pastor in Maine needed to get up early for church the next morning, so things are going well. They're going really well until about 1 a.m. where God woke me up. I went from dead asleep to wide awake like that. Now, I hadn't had this happen to me before, but I had woken up in the middle of the night. I wish that wasn't the case, but I, you know, I woken up, but I'd never woken up like this. It felt like it was nine in the morning. It felt like I had just had a cup of coffee, like I was fully coherent, just dialed in, but didn't want to be awake. And I I got this impression that God's thoughts and ways are higher than my thoughts and ways. And if I would lay down my thoughts and ways and go with his thoughts and ways, he would include me in something greater than I could ask or imagine. And I remember being in that moment, realizing, one, this has never happened to me before, but two, I know without a shadow of a doubt, God is the one speaking to me. Now, you would think that as a pastor, I would get out of bed and go downstairs and grab my Bible, my prayer journal, and just like fully engage God in this moment. Not me. Nope. Not your pastor. What I did is I just said, hey, God, I know you're speaking to me, but I'm tired. Can we do this in the morning? (laughs) Not proud of it, but I want to be honest with you. That's That's what I said. Once in a lifetime opportunity, I tried to put God on hold. That's essentially what I tried to do. But God doesn't get put on hold, and I'm so glad he doesn't. You see, from 1 a.m. till 3 a.m., God just kept speaking about what he wanted to include me in, multiplying disciples, etc. And when he was done, he hung up. I went right back to bed, woke up in the morning feeling just fine. But when I woke up in the morning, I figured, you know what? I should go downstairs and I should read. I should read my Bible because the last thing I remember God saying to me, 3 a.m., was Isaiah 55. I hadn't read Isaiah 55 in a while, but when I woke up that morning, I figured, you know, I should read Isaiah 55. So I open up my Bible and I start to read, and I'm reading through, and then I get to verses 8 and 9, which say this For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So now, in the morning, I grab my prayer journal, and I, I just start to pray. I figure, I, I got to make up for lost time. So I write this. I'm just going to read to you the beginning of this prayer that I prayed. It said, God, I feel as though you woke me up last night to talk to me about how you want to include me in your work of multiplying disciples, leaders, and churches. When I awoke at 1 a.m., one thought was on my mind. Your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and your ways higher than my ways. 
I was immediately reminded of Isaiah 55. And as I read it now, it totally speaks to me, especially verses 8 and 9 and verses 10 through 13 as well, which make me think of church planning in Colorado. Please give me the humility and courage to follow your will and way. Make your thoughts and ways my thoughts and ways. Please use me to start a multiplication movement of disciples making disciples, leaders developing leaders and churches planting churches to the fourth generation and beyond both here in Maine slash New England, that's where I was living at the time, and Colorado. I surrender myself to you. Now, I'd never had an experience like this with God before, but I knew he was speaking to me. And he definitely got my attention. Definitely got my attention. What do you do when God speaks to you? Often, God doesn't speak in such a dramatic way. Sometimes he does. But oftentimes, he speaks in other ways that might seem a little more subtle compared to being woken up in the middle of the night. He apparently needed to get my attention, and he did. So what do you, what do, you do when God speaks to you? Because I believe God still speaks, and I believe he has something he wants to say to you. So what do you do when you hear God speak? That's what we're going to discover today as we continue our epic series, and we look at how God intersects the lives of his people. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to look at the story of Abraham. It begins in Genesis 12, and I invite you to turn with me to Genesis 12 now, where we're going to pick up the story here in just a moment. If you need a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. We've also got a church app where you can both follow along and take notes as well. In case you're just joining us for this epic series, uh, we've been tracking with the story of God through Scripture. We're still pretty early on, and here's what we've seen so far. In Genesis 1, God created everything, and it was good. Then in Genesis 2, we get the lens zoomed in a bit, and we see that God created people to have life in relationship with Him, and also relationship with one another. That's how life is best lived. In Genesis 3, though, Everything that God made good, our sin made bad. Adam and Eve sinned, and it disconnected them from God, and, you know, we can't really point fingers at them because we've done the same. We've all gone our own way, done something that, that wasn't honoring to God, and thus, well, we're, we're disconnected from Him. And also, sin hurts our relationship with each other, too. What happened from Genesis 3 until the passage we're going to read today is this. In Genesis 4 through 11, there's a pattern that emerges. People sin, and then people experience the consequence for their sin. People sin, people experience the consequence for their sin. Happens again and again. And then in Genesis 12, which we're about to read, God reveals his plan. He begins to reveal this. We're going to see this unfold throughout Scripture as we keep tracking with the story of God. But we, we get a glimpse into what God intends to do in Genesis 12 when he speaks to someone who was least expecting it at the time. Seems to be the case, how God will often show up when someone's least expecting it. And when he speaks, Abraham had something he had to do about it. He had a decision to make. And we're going to take a look at how God spoke to Abraham, both in Genesis 12 and a couple other times in his life. But before we get there, let's ask that God would speak to us now as we open his word. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. 
thank you that we get to come before you and that you are a faithful God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that we can know you. And thank you for speaking to us. We would love for you to speak to us now through the message, especially through your word. So give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. A little backstory. Abraham and Sarah, who weren't called Abraham and Sarah then, it was Abram and Sarai. God hadn't changed their names yet. Well, they were living in Haran. Today, that'd be like on the border of Turkey and Syria, okay? Haran was a great place to live back then. It was smack dab in the Myrtle, the Myrtle, the Fertile Crescent. <laughs> smack dab in the Fertile Crescent. No mermaids there, just a lot of good soil to, well, have crops and crops were the goal. So like Abraham and Sarah were doing pretty well for themselves. Abraham's 75, Sarah's probably 65 and life's good, except they always wanted a son. They always wanted a son, but Sarah was barren, and at that age, they're no longer spring chickens. So it seems like that dream has come and gone. When God shows up and he speaks to Abram, or I'm just going to say Abraham throughout this message to keep it consistent. So let's, let's see what God had to say. Genesis 12, 1 through 5. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Here's what we learn. We learn that when God speaks, he reveals his purposes. In the case of Abraham, God promised to make Abraham into a great family that would increase and multiply really become a nation. Why? Well, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God promised to not just bless Abraham and his family, he promised that the blessing would overflow from them, that they would actually be a blessing to other nations as well. Why? Because God's ways are higher than our ways. Now, the amazing thing to me about this account is that when God spoke to Abraham, Abraham didn't ask questions. Abraham simply acted on the information he had. In verse 1, we read, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country. He then flushes it out, and then in verse 4, So Abram went, as the Lord had told him. God said, Go, Abram went. Now, if I was Abraham, I would have had a ton of questions. Heck, when God woke me up in the middle of the night, I had a bunch of questions in the days, weeks, months that followed. Why are we going to go? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do when we get there? How are we going to live when we get there? But not Abraham. Abraham heard from God, and then he acted on what he heard. Abraham didn't ask questions. He acted in faith. God said, go. Abram went. And what in, in so doing, what Abraham was doing is he just faithfully followed God forward. 
Didn't have all the answers, but he had his marching orders. So he went. Now, Abraham did not do this perfectly. Not even close to perfectly. Shortly after Abraham went, uh, a famine hit the land. And Abraham took his wife, Sarah, and they went down to Egypt. Except when they got to Egypt, he lied to the Egyptians about Sarah being his wife. Husbands, I do not recommend that. (laughs) And yet, (laughs) that's what he did. He actually didn't just do this once in his life, he did this twice in his life. So he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. But here's the crazy thing. God, even though Abraham wasn't perfect, God still accomplished his purposes through him. Even though Abraham did something that was bad, God still was good. God actually chose, just in his own goodness, his own grace, to bless Abraham. He had left a a land of blessing, and he came, and God just continued to bless, poured it out on him. And this should build our faith. The fact that even if if we kind of mess things up or we, we have problems in our life, God's purposes are still going to prevail. Because while God chooses to include us in what he's doing, he's not dependent upon us. He is God. We are not. And this can build our faith because we're going to blow it. We're going to mess up. We're going to come up short. But God is going to still come through. His purposes will be accomplished his way. Now, years later, God uh, God had another encounter with Abraham, and this time God not only reminded Abraham of his initial promise, but he expounded upon it. It, We're going to turn to Genesis 15 now. You can follow along there. It's a bit of a longer passage, but I want to encourage you to listen up because we actually get to listen in on a conversation between God and Abraham, and it's going to speak to uh, how God wants to move kind of in us and through us as well. So picking up Genesis 15 starting in verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Just side note real quick, in the ancient Near East, this was, this was common practice. If a couple did not have a kid, they would pass on their estate to a trusted servant. So that would have been normal back then, but it was not God's plan, and God reminded Abraham of that next. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will, be your heir. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can I know I'll gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. 
Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried in a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, Abram, excuse me, and said, To your descendants, I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Re. You get the point at this point. Back in verse 1, I love how God encouraged Abraham. He said, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. It's a good reminder for us because when we hear God speak and he calls us to something, it's going to be something bigger than ourselves. And the natural response in those moments is fear. But the supernatural response is faith. Only God can instill in us the faith to go when he says go, to trust him even when we don't have all the answers, when it doesn't make sense from our perspective. In in verses 4 and 5, God reminded Abraham of the promise to not just give him a family, but to multiply his descendants into a nation. They're going to increase in number, too many to count, more than the stars in the sky. And then in verse 7, he reminds Abraham that he's been faithful in the past. He, He brought him out of the, well, let's just read it. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. God reminded him of his past faithfulness to give him faith in the present. One of the the best pieces of advice that I received early on in our church planning journey was to write it all down. Like, Like write down all the God experiences God encounters along the way. So uh, on my phone, on my iPad, I have this note that I started years ago. And every time God would speak or he would show up in some way, I would just document it just real quick so that I wouldn't forget. Because the advice was, hey, you're going to want to write it down now because there's going to be a day where you doubt in the dark what you saw in the light. And that's definitely been true. And when, when, life's get, when life gets hard, and we get discouraged and weary and impatient, what I'll do is I'll pull out my iPad and I'll look at these verses, like Matthew 7, 1 through 11. That morning in my chair time, God encouraged me that he's a good father. I needed to hear that that day. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, which we read earlier, really kind of got my attention. Hey, God's thoughts, God's ways much higher than mine. Psalm 126, 5 and 6. Uh, that's, the, that's the passage I read the morning. My dad and I pull out of my parents' driveway in a U-Haul and we start driving across the country. Psalm 138, 7 and 8. Read it that first week. We, we lived back here in Colorado and we had met some opposition. We were discouraged, felt defeated, deflated. And God reminded, no, 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 I'm the one who called you to this. Not others, me. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 has been a, a frequent reminder to me that no matter what we're going through, COVID, staff transitions, 
whatever it is, I've got to fix my eyes on Jesus. I've got to fix my eyes on Jesus. It's all about him. And in this note, I've recorded not just scripture passages, I've actually recorded ways God's shown up along the way. Like how he has provided through people's sacrificial generosity time and time again so that his vision can advance, his mission can advance. Uh, this is a cool one. Some of you might not even know this. The Lone Tree Rec Center, way back, like almost four years ago now, when we were talking to them about being able to gather like this here, they said that they would give us a discount, a 50% discount. Every time we meet, we get it half off. It's the best discount they've given anyone ever. I don't know if they're given better discounts currently, but still seems pretty good to me. I have names written down, like Mike and Michael, Zach and Katrina. These are the people who were baptized after our first couple of rooted groups, right there in the rec center pool. In fact, every time someone gets baptized, I'll write their name down, we record it, because everyone matters to God and everyone matters to us. So when I'm discouraged, when I'm weary, when I'm impatient, what I'll do is I'll scroll through this note on my iPad and I'll be reminded that God who was faithful then will be faithful now. And that, you know, while God called me to it, he's also the one who's gonna see me through it. I might not be able to see the future, but I'm reminded of God's past faithfulness and that's what gives me confidence in the moment that he's gonna be faithful in the future. And because God is faithful, I will remain faithful. Your faithfulness, my faithfulness, it's not dependent upon our own willpower and effort. It is anchored in something so much greater because it is anchored in God and His faithfulness. Now, having personally experienced the, the benefit of having a record of God's faithfulness, the way He's shown up in my life, I would encourage you, keep a record of how God's speaking to you, how He's shown up in your life too. Because I believe He speaks. And when he does, you hear it in the moment, you're like, whoa, like, I feel like that was just different. I read that differently, or I heard that differently, or whatever it was. Write it down, because there's going to be a day where you're tempted to doubt in the dark what you saw in the light. And if you, maybe you're at a spot, you're like, well, Chris, I've never, I haven't actually done that. So I don't have this, like, exhaustive list of all God's past faithfulness to me. I get it. I get it. That makes sense. I was there once, too. I, the next best time to start is now. If you couldn't have started then. But you know what we all have? We all have a very detailed account of God's past faithfulness. So I would say soak in Scripture. Soak in Scripture. The Bible is the story of God's past faithfulness. It's His faithfulness to His people over thousands of years. And the crazy thing about when we read the Bible is... It doesn't just talk about what God did then, it also reveals how he wants to intersect our lives now. Not to mention, anytime God speaks, it's gonna align with his written word. Like he's not gonna say something to you that contradicts something he's already spoken. He won't. He's consistent, he's unchanging. So, knowing this, if you wanna hear God speak, if you wanna be reminded of his past faithfulness, look no further than scripture and soak in it. The reason I actually knew God was speaking to me at 1 a.m. in the middle of the night was because for years, every morning, I've woken up and the first thing I've done is spend time with God, reading his word and praying. I'm not perfect at it. There's a lot of days where I'm like, I'm tired. I don't really want to do this, but I, I want to hear from him. I want to encounter him. And when he did speak, 
I knew it was him because it sounded like him. I was familiar with the sound of his voice. So if you want to hear him speak, a great place to start is scripture. It never returns void. And if he speaks to you through another medium, you're going to know it's him because it's going to sound like him. So soak in scripture. And the second thing I would encourage you to do is to connect in community. Uh, while faith is personal, it's very personal, it's not a solitary endeavor. Following Jesus is better together. And one of the ways that God's encouraged me throughout this church planning journey has been through other people who are following Jesus. At first, it was people in Maine who knew us, had experienced ministry with us, and were encouraging us to follow God forward. Then since moving here, it's been local pastors, and it's been many of you all, as we've kind of ridden the highs and the lows of the last couple of years. And we've experienced God's faithfulness together, and often he's reminded me he's faithful through a word of encouragement that many of you have shared. So thank you. But if you're not connected in community, like, like find your people, and we'd love to be your people, where you can grow in, in faith and following God forward together. Like you don't have to do it alone. So, one of the crazy things about God is that even when our faith wavers, He actually remains faithful. And God kind of prompted Abraham with this. He, he showed this to Abraham in the way that he even formed this covenant with Abraham. You see, back in the ancient Near East, uh, a covenant, which is more than just a promise or a contract, uh, a covenant was literally cut. Two animals, or an animal would be cut in half, you put the pieces to the side, and then both parties would walk through together. Essentially, they're saying, you're saying to one another, symbolically, hey, if I break this covenant, may I be like one of these animals? It's a bit gruesome, I know, but that's just how it went back then, okay? Here's what's wild. The covenant that God made with Abraham, Abraham didn't walk through. God walked through. And in so doing, God might as well have said, hey, even if you aren't faithful to the terms of the covenant, I will be faithful. And that's a really good deal for Abraham and his people and the nation of Israel, because as we're going to see later in this series, faithfulness to God was not their strong suit. They struggled with it, but God remains faithful. Now, while Abraham had great faith in this encounter, this Genesis 15 encounter with God, the, the very next account, like if you're flipping through the next account, is Abraham and Sarah taking things into their own hands. They're getting antsy. They're only getting older, and God has still not come through on this promise to give them a son. So Sarah says, all right, Abraham, you sleep with Hagar, my servant, and we'll, we'll just start the family that way. So Abraham did, and as you can imagine, it was a hot mess. A lot of angst, a lot of animosity, bitterness. Sarah, Hagar, they, they were not happy with one another. And yet, even in the mess, God saw Hagar and he promised to still bless her son, Ishmael. But Ishmael was not the one he promised. And God was very clear about that as he continued in Genesis 17 to speak to Abraham. Now, we can't read this account you know, in full because we're getting short on time. But I would say, read it this week. Read, read Genesis 12 seven, you know, through 17 and beyond. And just 
read this. You can really read the rest of, of Genesis this week, and you're going to get a pretty good understanding of how even though people blow it, God remains faithful. He's going to be faithful to his promise, to his covenant. And we, we can like take that to the bank. That is a good thing. But in Genesis 17, God shows up to Abraham again. This time, he tells him a couple of different things. He reminds him that he's going to multiply his descendants and into a great nation. They're going to be a, a blessing to other nations. Uh, God here changes Abraham's name to Abraham, from Abram to Abraham, and Sarai to Sarah, because they're going to be the father and mother of many nations. Like, it's just gonna, like, this is, this is happening. God's like, it's coming, it's coming. And it's here that God actually gave Abraham the sign of the covenant, which was circumcision. Why circumcision? Not exactly sure. We could probably do a deep dive into that sometime, but not the most thrilling message either. So he, he gives him this sign and he reminds him, like, hey, I, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do this. And that Ishmael, Ishmael, look, I'm going to bless him, but he's not the one I've promised. A year from now, Sarah's going to have a son, and that's going to be the one through whom my purposes are fulfilled. Now, if, you were to, if we were to read Genesis 17 and you were to reflect back on what we read earlier in this series, the very first week, Genesis 1, you would start to see some themes that are, are consistent. A pattern is beginning to emerge. You see, back in Genesis 1, we read this, God blessed them and said to them, talking about humanity, be fruitful and increase in number. God's purpose was for them to multiply. And now what we see in, Genesis, in uh, the Genesis you know, story as it continues, Genesis 15, Genesis 17 with Abraham, God is going to actually fulfill that purpose now by calling a people to himself. And it's through that people who have a relationship with him, a special relationship with him, that others are actually going to know who God is. It's pretty crazy. Now, as the, the story continues, God holds up his end. Isaac is born, the son that God promised. Sarah was, in, was 90, and she's having a baby. And, and now they're like, okay, like, okay. So God's doing his thing, and Abraham is trying to do his best to, to follow God and be obedient. And what's so amazing to me and encouraging to me is that even though Abraham didn't always get it right, he is held up not just by Christians, but by Jews and also by Muslims as like the patriarch of faith. He is known for his faith. And what is true of Abraham can also be true of us. Paul, in the New Testament, he's writing a letter to the church in Rome. And he picks up on the significance of Abraham and Abraham's story. And he writes this, The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. You see, in Christ, we get to be part of Abraham's family, the promise that God made. Because in Christ, we are the people of God. In Christ, we get to pursue the purposes of God. In Christ, we are blessed to be a blessing. Abraham, well, his faith, it was primarily in God's future faithfulness, that he will give him a son, and they will be a family, and he'll be blessed to, to, to bless the other nations. 
Abraham's faith was primarily forward-focused. While there's a, a forward element to our faith as well, like we trust that God's going to be faithful in the future, that he's going to finish what he started, our faith is, is unique in that we actually have a detailed account of God's past faithfulness. Abraham didn't have this. Our faith is anchored in what God has done. He sent his one and only son. He's invited us into the family and he has blessed us and commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations. That's how we are a bless, blessing to be a blessing. Like that's what it looks like to overflow blessing. Our faith is both rear facing and forward facing. And that's what gives us confidence in the moment. Friends, God speaks. He spoke and the world was formed. He, he spoke to Abraham and he called a people to himself. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through the word, Jesus. And God still speaks today. And you better believe when he speaks, it will align with his written word. And what does God's word teach us? Well, it tells us how God has shown up in the past. Tells us how he wants to intersect our story in the present, and it tells us that God's going to be faithful in the future. So, like Abraham, have faith. Have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, but with faith, anything's possible, because with God, anything is possible. God blessed Abraham and Sarah with a child when Sarah was 90. I think God can heal your loved one. I believe he can mend that broken relationship. I believe he can transform your story. So I want to encourage you, have faith. And two, follow God forward. And be honest with you, this is where it gets tough because this is where faith gets feet. At least this is where it's been tough for us. The hardest part of the church planning journey was the initial leaving. Like we had something good going in Maine. Loved our job, loved living by my family, had a great church. And yet, when, when we were leaving what was good for the possibility of what could be, man, that felt like a huge step of faith. But I'm so glad we took it because we've been able to experience God's goodness here. We've been able to experience life transformation. People coming to Jesus, others in us growing in our faith. We wouldn't have been able to experience that if we were disobedient back then. So my encouragement is have faith, follow God forward, and three, just be a blessing. While God is for us, he is not for only us. So every day, pray for one person to share God's love with. Just ask him, God, give me someone to share your love with today. Because anything he's blessed you with should be something that's on the table that others could experience the blessing of too. So whether that's something you're going to share, a hope that you have, resources, time, effort, energy, I don't know what it is, but how can you show and share God's love? And then I pray that one day as a church, we're going to be a blessing far beyond ourselves as well. That we're going to be able to help start churches that start churches so that more people can connect in a relationship with God too. After all, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So when God speaks, respond in faith because he is faithful. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are so grateful that you are faithful. Thank you for, for speaking to us through your word, through other modes, 
mediums that we, that we could even hear from you, that we could experience a relationship with you is, is truly a gift. So would you open our ears to what you're saying? And Holy Spirit, would you work in our hearts to give us the faith, the courage, the humility, the confidence to take whatever step we're called to take? And as we step out, would we experience you all the more? Would we sing and declare and record and remember your faithfulness? Would we never forget that you are faithful? And as people see you move in our lives, would they also want to know you too? So would you give us opportunities to share the hope that we have in you, Jesus, even this week? In your name we pray. Amen.